Hello, everyone. Good afternoon. Thank you for joining us today as we're going to be talking about tax diversification in retirement. My name is April Schoen, and I am joined on the call today by John Curry. John is the author of Preparing for a Secure Retirement. Say hello, John. Hey, folks. Glad to be with you. I'm excited about today's topic, John. I know we've had a lot of um, feedback so far with people being interested in the webinar. And so I'm excited for us to go through everything that we have today. Before I get started, though, before we get started. I'm looking forward to it also because uh, this is a timely topic in light of uh, a little presidential election coming up soon. People are concerned about taxes. So this is going to be good. A small little thing like the presidential election, right? Correct. Some small changes there. Yeah, so I think we'll get into that and talk about how that can go with taxes too and some changes we might see there. So we'll kind of go through all that together. Before we get into the meat of today's conversation, a couple things I want to point out. One, we are recording today's webinar. So we should have a replay for you available. Um, we've had to kind of change up how we do our recording. So just so you know, it may take one to two weeks for us to have that replay available on our website. But as soon as we have the replay available, we'll be sure to send out a link so everyone has a copy of that. The next thing I would say too, is just make sure if you haven't already, grab a piece of paper and a, a pen like I have here, because we're gonna be going through a lot of information and we're really gonna be going through some strategies on tax planning. So you may wanna jot down some notes, you may have a question, or you may have something that says, you know what, I really want to make sure that I go through this with John and April when we're on the phone. So just have that handy for you um, in case you need to take notes or have some questions you want to talk about later. Um, so today, like I said, we're going to be talking about tax diversification and retirement. I do want to tell you, though, a little bit about us and kind of who we are. So John and I are both advisors with North Florida Financial. And North Florida has is headquartered in Tallahassee, and they've been in business for about 50 years. We have locations now from Jacksonville all the way over to Louisiana and down to Tampa and Orlando. So we've seen a lot of growth. Um, John has been in the financial services business since 1975. In fact, John, I meant to tell you the other day, congratulations, because you just hit like 45 years. That's correct. September 13th. That's right. It's a great accomplishment. So congratulations to you on that. Um, Thank you. I've been in financial services about 10 years. So I was with a previous firm before North Florida for about four and then came over North Florida and have been working with John ever since for about six and a half years. So time flies when you're you're having fun, right? Absolutely. And if you're having fun, uh, life's good. Right. And taxes. I mean, this is tax diversification, retirement planning. These are things, John, that we talk about with clients on a weekly basis, a daily basis even. Um, I know for you, you know, you've really focused most of your career on helping people when it gets to retirement and talking about Social Security and when should they take Social Security. Um, healthcare choices, right? So what are they going to do about healthcare retirement, Medicare, uh, required minimum distributions. You know, there were some changes last year with required minim minimum distributions. And when you have to start taking money out of retirement accounts, which obviously impacts your taxes, because as you know, when people, when you hit now 72, it used to be 70 and a half. And you have to start taking money out of those retirement accounts. 
you're gonna, you might get hit with a big tax bill. So we're gonna talk about that a little bit today too. Um, and some things that you can do ahead of time to put yourself in a better position. Very good. Uh, now, I wanted to say too, John, you and I didn't get a chance to chat about this, but um, we had a, several people, a lot of people reply to the email yesterday that went out asking about questions and what's their most uh, important concern that they have when it comes to retirement or when it comes to financial planning. And there were definitely some common themes. So I just kind of want to go through these for a few minutes. And um, I know we're going to kind of get through this today. There were lots of questions about healthcare and retirement, which I know we're going to, we have a, a Medicare webinar that we're probably going to do maybe in November. So just kind of be on the lookout for that. We'll cover more about healthcare and retirement. But there were some questions about the best ways to have retirement accounts invested, to have sound investments, to have money that's going to last throughout your entire retirement. Very important. Talking about how to adapt to tax and market changes. We're definitely going to hit that today. Um, and then there were some questions, too, about just the best way to optimize withdrawals when it comes to taxes. So all great comments. Um, very common themes there. Hey, let me jump in for just a moment. Uh, what I'm going to be doing, folks, at the end of our webinar is I'm going to do a case study. And I'm going to be the case study. I'm going to walk you through some of the things that I have done. I'm going to talk you through it. I'm going to be a long presentation. Get to walk you through some of the things that applies to the material that we're we'll covering today. Because uh, some of the things that you're talking about right now, April, or the reasons why I have my own planning. And as you know, I give out, uh, I believe in uh, eating my own cooking. If I'm giving advice, I need to be doing it myself. So what I'm going to do today is walk you through. I'm going to keep it uh, kind of uh, neutral so I don't get into too much detail about products. But I do think it's important that you hear. So please stay with us. And uh, I'm going to take about 10 minutes at the end and uh, tie it together based on what I've done and what I've helped other people do and what my team and staff people do. So I just wanted to throw that in there. Great, thank you. It's a good segue. So what are we gonna be talking about today? We're gonna be talking about the different types of retirement investment accounts. We're gonna go through how the tax status. So we're gonna talk about tax deferred, taxable and tax favored accounts. We're gonna talk about some tax planning strategies as John mentioned, going through a case study, he's going to use himself as an example. And then we're also going to talk about how to use Roth IRAs and permanent life insurance when it comes to retirement planning. I know some of you may have to jump off the call early because that does happen. I know a lot of you are joining us on your lunch hour. So if you do have to jump off early, I did want to go ahead and give you our contact information. Um, we would recommend those of you on the call, those of you listening to a replay, to schedule a time to speak with John, myself, anyone on our team, it would be about a 25 to 30 minute phone appointment. And this would really just be an opportunity to talk about any goals, concerns you have about retirement planning. And then also um, we can share with you a little bit more about our planning process and how we help clients. So John, the best number to be able to call the office to get a phone appointment with him is to call our main office number at 850-562-3000. That's 850-562-3000. And then you can call that number to get on my calendar as well, or you can call me directly at 
All right, John, are we ready to roll up our sleeves and get to work? Let's go to work. I'm, I'm, I always love doing these webinars because my view is, and you know this as much as I talked about it, how do we create value? And I'm convinced that by educating people and letting them know about possible dangers as well as opportunities, we're creating value. So uh, let's do a little value creation here. Let's do it. Okay, so before we do get into the meat of today's converse, uh, the presentation, we do have some disclosures to go through with you. Um, I won't bore you by reading this all to you. You all can sure read this yourself. But the main thing I want to point out here, or the main point, is that John and I are not CPAs or attorneys. So we cannot offer you tax or legal advice. And we do recommend that you consult your tax or legal advice regarding your own financial situation. I love this quote by Benjamin Franklin. I know you do too, John. But in this world, nothing can be said to be certain except death and taxes. Isn't that the truth? So we're going to... It is true. It is true. So we're going to be definitely talking a lot about taxes today. So while we don't always know what tax rates will be in the future, what tax rates are going to be when you retire, that's why we believe it's so important for tax diversification. That's why we believe in tax diversification. So what does tax diversification even mean? It means that you have investments, that you have savings and a wide range of taxable accounts. So maybe you have money in tax deferred vehicles like we're going to talk about or tax favored vehicles or taxable accounts. And by having money in different types of investments and retirement accounts, it's going to give you more options when it gets to retirement. And that's really the main thing that we want our clients to have is more options when it gets to retirement, not less. We don't want you to be painted into a corner. So we're going to walk through all three of those today and how they affect you from a tax planning standpoint. So we're first going to talk about tax deferred accounts. Now, tax deferred accounts are the most common approach to retirement planning. I really want you to think here about a 401k, a 403b, or a 457 plan. Those are what we consider traditional retirement accounts. So with these, they're tax deferred and you put money into them on a pre-tax basis. So you put money in today, you've not paid tax on it. It's going to grow tax deferred. But when you go to take money out in the future, you're, it's going to be 100% taxable at ordinary income rates. Very important to know that. So while it's the most traditional route for retirement planning, it's not the most efficient when it comes to tax planning. So we're going to talk about that in a few minutes. But really, when it comes to tax deferred accounts, there's two types. There, there's pre-tax and there's post-tax. What that means is you've got tax-deferred vehicles that you put money in today that you haven't paid tax on. Again, think that 401k, 403b, 457. It grows tax-deferred, and then when you go to take money out, it's all taxable. So that's contributions made with pre-tax dollars. There are also tax-deferred accounts that you make with after-tax dollars. So you pay the tax today, you contribute to the account, now, examples of these would be a non-deductible IRA and also non-qualified annuities. So here you pay tax today. You, do, you don't pay while it's growing. The gains are tax deferred, 
But when you go to take money out, it's going to again be most of it will be 100% taxable because the gains have to come out first. Very important there. And it'll be taxed at ordinary income rates. So two types when it comes to tax deferred. The next type of account we talk about are taxable. Now I call these taxed as you go. Most people think of them as like a, a regular investment account, um, money that you have in a money market or a CD. These would be considered taxable because you put money in today with after-tax dollars, but you may have to pay tax while it's growing. These are the accounts that you get a 1099 on every year. So some examples here would be a money market, a CD, mutual funds, stocks, bonds, and then also real estate rentals would qualify for this as well. It's kind of interesting, you know, John, we talk about this sometime with taxable accounts because we get a question about from you like, well, my account was down, like let's say in a year like 2018 when their stock portfolio was down, but they still had to pay taxes. So it's kind of interesting, right? Like my account's down, I didn't take any money, I didn't get to enjoy any of the income, but that tax bill still comes in. Correct. Yeah. So and that's not fun. And are you going to explain why that happens? Yeah. So again, we do kind of get that question from people a lot. So there's a couple of things that can happen in the account to create that. Um, there can be interest that payments that are made, which would be taxable. Dividends, which are paid into the account. You know, you could have dividends reinvested, so you didn't receive the money, but you still have to pay tax like you did. And there also could be some capital gain realizations as well from stock portfolios increasing or from the change in a portfolio. You know, if you've got an account that's actively managed and they're in there buying and selling stocks for you, well, that's going to spit off some capital gain distributions as well. So just important to know that, but we call those taxed as you go. We could probably spend an entire webinar just talking about those types of accounts. Next is tax favored. We're going to be spending most of our time talking about these. So tax favored accounts, these are accounts that you put money in today with after-tax dollars. They grow tax deferred. And then when you go to take money out in the future, it comes out tax-free. So examples of tax favored accounts are municipal bonds, Roth IRAs, 529 plans, and then cash value life insurance. So we're going to be spending some time talking about those today. So again, the way tax-favored vehicles work is you pay tax today, you don't pay tax while it's growing, and then in the future when you can take money out, it comes out tax-free. The most important thing I want to point out here is with tax-favored accounts, you want to make sure that they're structured properly because you can run into some issues if they're not. Now we're going to get into some tax planning strategies. And so when it comes to where should you be saving your money, should I be using tax deferred, should I be using taxable, or should I be using tax favored accounts, it comes down to what do you think that your taxes will be when you retire? So let me kind of give you some examples here. If you think that taxes will be higher when you get to retirement, then you should use more tax favored accounts today. So that means you pay the tax today, they're going to grow tax deferred, and then you get to have tax-free income in retirement. So again, you're kind of biting the bullet today instead of deferring it to the future. So if you think you're going to have higher taxes in the future, you want to use tax-favored vehicles. Now let's talk about the opposite. 
What if you think that you'll have lower taxes in retirement? Well, if you think you'll be paying less taxes in the future, less taxes in retirement, then you should be using more tax-deferred vehicles like a 401k, a 403b, a 457. That way you get the tax deduction today, but just remember that you're gonna have to pay taxes on 100% of the withdrawal when you get to retirement. So John, I thought here we could talk a little bit about what do we see in retirement planning? Because the majority of what we do on a weekly and daily basis is helping people when it comes to retirement planning and helping them pull together all their retirement income sources and really looking at what is their income gonna look like in retirement. And so do we find that people pay less taxes or the same or more taxes in retirement? That's a question for you. Most of the people we work with are paying the same or higher. Uh, many people thought they were going to retire in a lower tax bracket, and all of a sudden they said, whoops, what's happening? And by the way, this is a good point to make here. <clears throat> we don't want people to have less income in retirement. Most of the time people come to us and they say, well, it looks like I'm going to retire and have about 50% or 60% of my pre-retirement earnings. And I like to ask this question. I've been asking this question for 45 years. Why wouldn't you want more money in retirement? Why do you want to take a pay cut? So why don't we do this? And for the past 35 years, I've really focused on this. Why don't we see first what your resources will provide you? You might be shocked that you have the same income or even higher in retirement. And most people, as you know, April, they don't believe us until we demonstrate it with our retirement rehearsal. And they're like, holy cow, I'm better off than I thought. And that usually makes them understand, oops, I will not be paying less taxes, as it appears. Maybe I'll be in the same bracket or higher. Now, we do find people who end up, the way they're structured or the way they quit working along the way, uh, they are in lower tax bracket. But it's, it's, it's not very often. Right. It's not the, it's not what we see most of the time. So here's another question for you too, John. I already sure. know the answer. Um, and that is, uh, what do you think is going to happen with tax rates? So it's not just income, right? So we can have a conversation about what's your income going to be in retirement. Is your income going to be the same, higher or less? But then what about right. tax rates in general? Well, um, you gave a disclosure up front that we have to tell everybody that we're not CPAs or, or tax attorneys, but I have to tell you, uh, when I was getting my master's degree in financial services, we had one entire course, not a class, one entire course on income taxes and the history of tax. And it's really fascinating. And our um, I'm kind of a geek about this. Our income tax, we started paying in 1913 with the passage of the 16th Amendment. And if you go back and look at history, there wasn't an income tax to help pay for the Civil War, but the U.S. Supreme Court struck it down and said it was unconstitutional and went away. But if you take a look at the tax history, in 1913, the top bracket was 7%, 7%. And the newspaper articles then said temporary tax, and it was temporary. For three years, it was 7%. The fourth year, the top bracket jumped all the way to 15%. Then we had something called wars, World War One, World War Two, but in between we had the Great Depression. Top bracket during the Great Depression was only 25%. And you know, I just had a thought. In the future, we should do a webinar just on tax history and tax planning mm -hmm. and encourage 
able to get back with their CPA or tax attorney work on. But for our purposes, I'll fast forward and talk about the top bracket to 94%. Top bracket, 94%. And then get down to 70, and then later down to 50%. In the 1980s, President Reagan pounded Congress so hard and said, hey, we've got to reduce taxes. And they dropped the top bracket down to 28%. Now, what's interesting about this is even though the tax rates went down, very few of us paid less income taxes. Why? Because they were controlling the levers and they took away some things that we used to be able to deduct, such as your interest on a car loan. Your credit card interest was deductible back then. They took that away. It phased out. So just because we look at tax rates, it doesn't mean that you're going to be paying less tax. In fact, you may find that you're in a lower tax bracket, but because of the nature of the investments you have, that you're paying the same tax or higher than you were before. And if you look at today, the top bracket is 37%. Where's it going? I believe, I'll be 68 in December. I believe that during my lifetime that I'm going to see tax rates back up to 50%, maybe even 60%. I hope I'm wrong. But you look at all the spending that's going on, good intentions, a lot of people need help out there, but you can't just keep spending money without finding a way to get that money back. You've got to finance it. So if you look at history, Every time it was in wars, tax rates went up. Things get good, come down, then they go back up again. So, again, while I don't claim to be an expert in this, because uh, I don't do taxes every day, I don't even do my own tax return, have the CPA do that, but I am fascinated by how can we find ways, find ways to reduce taxes, because every dollar we save in taxes is a dollar you get to keep, either spend it, save it, or invest it. That's right. That's probably more than wanted, but that's, those are my thoughts. No, that's perfect. <laughs> Yeah, and then that goes right back to what we're saying. It's not just what's your income going to be, but what are tax rates going to be? And I agree with you. You can't convince me that tax rates will be lower in the future. I just don't see how they can be. So if that's the case, then we've got to start looking at some more tax-favored vehicles now while tax rates are lower. Um, you know, we know what tax rates are now, and we know they're not expected to change until about 2025 right now. So you've got next, you know, four or five years that you can really start to take advantage of these tax-favored accounts. Let me just add one more thing here. I hear people literally every day that I see clients or talk to them on the telephone. I'm getting this more and more. What do you think is going to happen with the economy, uh, depending upon who's elected president? And I like to ask this question. Why are you asking? Are you worried about your money? Are you worried about what's going to happen? And they go, yes. I said, so what are you doing to manage your personal economy? You can't control the global economy, can't control the U.S. economy, state economy, or even the local economy. But you can take action to control yours. And taxes is part of it. That's your biggest expense, tax, coming out of your paycheck. Or when you did your quarterly estimates. So I like to tell people, I don't know what each party can do or will do regarding taxes. I can tell you this. I do remember that George Bush, number one, Campaign says, no new taxes. Read my lips, no new taxes. And he had to raise the tax rates because the economy needed more tax comes in. So I, when I sell these ads from both candidates, I'm kind of like, yeah, you know what? That's a bunch of bull. If you need to raise taxes, you're going to do it, no matter if it's Democrats or Republicans. So I, I tell people, quit watching that stuff. 
work on your own plan. Right. That's right. Work on your personal economy. Okay. John, let's switch gears a little bit. I want to talk a little bit more about these different types of accounts and how they're taxed. So again, you're going to see here, we've got taxable, tax deferred, and, and tax favored. The only account out of those three that you're going to get a 1099 from every year is the taxable accounts. Um, like I said, you even get those on like your money market CDs, you know, you're going to get your 1099s on those too. So same thing there that you do have to pay tax on the gains and they're not tax deferred. Now the tax deferred accounts, you don't have to pay tax while it's growing. You don't have to pay tax on the gains until you start to pull it out. But as soon as you make a withdrawal, you do have to pay tax on that. And then the tax favored you do not get a 1099. You don't have to pay on the gains. And then as long as it's structured properly, you don't have to, uh, you don't have any taxes when the money comes out either for retirement income. So just kind of want to go through some details on those three types of accounts. Now, when it comes to retirement planning, the most common, like we talked about earlier, is people tend to use 401ks, 403bs, 457s, Maybe they have a pension. Um, those are the most common approaches to retirement planning. But we have a list here. There's a whole. There's there's other alternatives out there for you when it comes to retirement planning. Um, so you've got CDs, mutual funds. You've got regular IRAs, um, uni bonds, and the two that we're going to focus on today are ones that tend to be overlooked when it comes to retirement planning. And that is Roth IRAs and permanent life insurance. Now, when we look at each one of these categories, we want to pay attention to the contributions. Do you Is it pre-tax or post-tax? On the growth side of things, are they taxable, non-taxable, or tax-deferred? And then most important to me is on the income side, how is the tax going to be treated then when you need to start taking income from this account? Like I said, we're going to, we're going to really do a dive into Roth IRAs and, and permanent life insurance. Kind of funny, John, about Roth IRAs. You know, I'm meeting with a, a client that has a, she's a new client and she has an advisor elsewhere. And she came to us because she came to one of our webinars and we were talking about Roth IRAs. And she said to me that her other advisor would not talk to her about Roth IRAs. Just kept telling her, you don't need it. You don't need it. You don't need it. Don't worry about it. But she was like, I don't know what they mean. I don't know why they would say that. She just wanted to have like a conversation and be educated about what her options were. And we find that people just, other advisors just don't talk about these things. Well, part of it is because it takes work. I mean, I, we just had a situation where uh, Jay and I were helping a client ask a question that took us off track. And we agreed as to how we would handle it. Uh, we did our research came back and helped that client but in 45 years i've never i've never refused to help a person be educated because every time i do that april that knowledge is now in my brain and i'm able to use that to create value for other people so i don't look at that as being a waste of time and shame on that advisor uh but uh, that's okay because that person didn't do their job and now you have a new client that's right yeah and for her too i said i told her up front i said look i may come to the same conclusion. You know, we may look at your plan and say, no, we don't think that you need this. 
And I'm going to explain to you why. And I'm going to look at, I'm going to show it to you. At the end of the day, it's your plan, not mine. So I'm going to show you what it looks like and you get to decide. So that's what we're going to I think do. we have an obligation. You know, I talk about this a lot. We have an obligation to share with you and find out, number one, what you want. I'm not going to, I'm, I'm going to be like a medical doctor. I'm not going to write a prescription for something that I know is not going to help you. I, it's going to hurt you. I know I'm not going to write a prescription. But I'm going to listen and use that metaphor of a medical doctor. And I'm going to listen to what's going on. And then I'm going to recommend the right plan of action based on my knowledge about you and the products or strategies that are involved. But I think that all the time you should be on the good, the bad, and the ugly of everything, whether it be our financial planning process we do, our retirement planning process, or any product. I tell people, I go to Ronald Reagan again, President Reagan, I love this line, trust but verify. Trust but verify. Make us verify. I'm going to make you verify. You tell me something, I'll say, show me. Show me. Right. And, and I think that's what, uh, that, that's what we do for clients. And look at everything. It's good. Well, let's do a deep dive. Let's talk about some examples of when it comes to taxes and the impact of taxes on retirement money. So we're going to look at two different options here. Um, the first option we're going to look at is if you take 100% of your withdrawal, and in this case, we're looking at $100,000 from a one of those tax-deferred vehicles we talked about, like a 401k, a 403b, or 457. These were accounts that were made with pre-tax contributions. What does it look like from a tax standpoint if you take $100,000 out of those types of accounts? So in this case, we're assuming someone might be in the 32% tax bracket. So they pay 32% in taxes and they have a net withdrawal, a net income of 68,000. So now we're gonna contrast that by saying, what if you again had tax diversification and not all of your assets are in those traditional retirement accounts, but you have true tax diversification. And what if you took half of the money from those tax deferred vehicles and you took half of it from a tax favored vehicle like whole life insurance or a Roth IRA? What does that look like? So again, 50,000 from the 401k, 50,000 from tax favored vehicles, you now only have to pay 16,000 in taxes. So you have a net income of 84,000. You save 16,000 in taxes by just having different vehicles for planning. That's the impact of having tax diversification. Let's dig into Roth IRAs first, and then we'll talk about the permanent life insurance. I do find sometimes that Roth IRAs are overlooked or they're used as like a small percentage of someone's overall portfolio. They kind of, it's like, what we had some clients a couple weeks ago. Remember John, they said, yeah, it sounded like a good idea like 15 years ago, but then we never really did anything with it. So they just like set it up and didn't do anything with the Roth IRAs. Well, let's talk about the real reason that most people will not do a, a conversion from a regular IRA to a Roth. It sounds good. It sounds great at a social event, having a glass of wine, talking about it. And then all of a sudden, when it comes time to write that check to pay the taxes, to switch it over, that's when people go, hmm, they get cold feet. Yeah. Uh, I'm thinking of a situation we had where a rather large IRA and the guy was insisting on making the change, but once we showed him the numbers, and I'm not paying that much in taxes. 
not in one fell swoop anyway, but later in life, somebody's going to pay tax. Either he will, uh, his wife will, ultimately, or his children, or grandchildren. Somebody's going to pay the tax. So that, that's one of the biggest reasons is I, don't, I, I think I'm going to be deferring the tax. We hear people say I'm saving taxes. You're not saving taxes. You're simply deferring it to the future. Yeah, let's kind of, so on the Roth IRAs, when we're looking at doing a Roth conversion, as you pointed out there, there's a couple of things that we have to pay attention to. You know, how much tax are you going to have to pay today to do that conversion? How long will it take in the Roth IRA for you to recoup your taxes? So a lot of that comes down to when are you going to need money from that account? Do you have time for it to grow and, and make up the difference from, from paying the taxes all today? Can you do it if, over several years so it's not one big jump? So there's a lot of different things when it comes to doing some Roth conversions that we can look at with clients. But Roth IRAs, like I said, they're tax favored. You put money in today um, with after-tax dollars. They don't, you're not taxed on them while they're growing. And then as long as it's structured properly, you're going to have tax-free income later. You can have a wide range of investment vehicles. You know, I know for us, um, with our broker-dealer, we pretty much have uh, all types of investments available for us. And the Roth IRA is just how an account is titled. You know, it's a Roth IRA or it's a traditional IRA. And that doesn't really impact your ability when it comes from like an investment standpoint. One of the things that I like about Roth IRAs is there's no required minimum distribution. So the IRS isn't telling you when you have to take money from these accounts. You don't have force to take an RMD if you don't need it. And then it also passes tax-free to your beneficiaries as well. So some really good characteristics of Roth IRAs, and we'd be happy to go through more about that in detail uh, with you know, anyone on the call on a one-on-one -on -one basis. Now we're going to talk about the life insurance, about life insurance and how it can help you from a retirement planning standpoint. So I'm sure most of you are familiar with life insurance and how it provides a tax-free benefit to your beneficiaries upon your passing, which can help your family, can help your business upon your passing. Um, but one of the things you may not realize is how it can help you from a wealth building strategy, a wealth building point. And so we're gonna kind of walk through that with you today, especially when it comes to the tax planning side of things. So life insurance is considered a social good. It's a benefit to society. And so because of that, it has very special tax benefits that is not available on other investments. So the death benefit comes in tax-free to your beneficiaries. The cash value in the policy grows tax-deferred. That cash value is liquid. And if you need that cash value for retirement income, it can come back to you tax-free. And that's all because life insurance is considered a social good and therefore it has these special tax benefits. There are some other benefits with it as well. Again, most people are pretty familiar with how life insurance has the death benefit that's going to protect your family or your business, but you may not be aware of some of the other benefits with life insurance or some of the living benefits. So the, the asset, the cash value that's growing in that policy, it can be a key component to your overall portfolio, your overall strategy. Let me give you an example. So in March this year, March of 2020, when the S&P was down 30 to 35%, the cash values in my life insurance policy were not down. 
In fact, they never have a bad day and they only go up. The cash values are not correlated to the stock market at all. And so it complements very well what you may have when it comes to investments and retirement accounts. It complements the stock portion of your portfolio very well. And I'll add a comment there. When you're my age, April, you'll appreciate that even more because I have people around me who ask me constantly, Why, how can you be so calm and not be worried about the stock market all the time? It's because I have a lot of money in the whole life cash value policies I own. And later I'll talk about that more, but it serves as a buffer for the market. I look at it as being like a bond portfolio with extra benefits. And I don't have all the risk that the bonds have had because bonds do have a risk also. Uh, that's another topic in the future on investments. But, <clears throat> but, uh, but I promise you, when you get fast forward about 30 years, you'll be looking back and saying, wow, uh, the old guy was right. <laughs> I do appreciate it more. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, well, I was just talking to someone yesterday and we were talking about the different types of life insurance and you know, really looking at two ends of a spectrum. You know, you've got term insurance and whole life. And so I gave her my example. You know, I have term insurance to protect my family. You know, I'm married. I have two small boys. They're four and seven years old. And so if something happens to me tomorrow, I want to make sure that they're taken care of. And when I say that, I don't mean that my husband just gets to pay off the mortgage. I mean, I want financially life to be the same for them. And that's very important to me. So I have term insurance in place to take care of that. My whole life policies, that's wealth building. That's my, that's a savings vehicle that I use. Um, in conjunction with my other, my stock portfolios that I have. Again, one's not better than the other. They complement each other very well. And I think once you kind of, we don't have definitely enough time to go through all of that today, but once you kind of see it, um, yeah, I think it makes sense to most people. All right, let's kind of go through this. Um, the life insurance, they have guarantees. They've got, they've got dividends that help increase the cash value and the death benefit. And then they also have some other living benefits as well. There's no RMDs on the life insurance, just like with Roth IRAs. There's creditor protection. I can tell you that for Florida, we have maximum creditor protection on cash values from lawsuits or creditors. That's not true for every state. Some states have a limit on it. And then um, there's also, depending on the state that you're in, you can have what's called a long-term care writer and we do have that available in Florida as well. So some other benefits are available. We should point out that we are licensed in several states. We have clients all across the country. So uh, that's why we have to put in there, depending upon the state, because we have clients all over. So we have to check with the state we live in to see what we can or cannot do. Right. Right. Exactly. Yes. I know I'm, I'm in like eight different states. I think, John, you're in... 15, I'm not sure. I just know that I'm, I'm having to add one every now and then because of people calling us from another state or somebody moving. So um, I have a hard time keeping up with it. <laughs> yes. So good. Okay. Um, so I want to just, you know, again, kind of recap here. We've got these different types of tax accounts that we talked about, tax deferred, taxable, and tax favored. So, John, I thought this would be a good opportunity for you to kind of go through the case study that we were talking about and talking about those okay. types of accounts. 
All right, good. Well, um, I'm going to attempt to do this in about 10 minutes so we can actually really be, not keep everybody a full hour. Uh, let's just start before you were just talking about life insurance. When I was younger, like you, I wanted life insurance in place to take care of my family. So I owned a lot of term insurance. Uh, our philosophy is, especially when we're talking with families that are still in the growth mode, they're building, they got young children, that they should get all the life insurance that they can get. If it's all term insurance, that's just fine. Get all the protection you can. And today's environment with COVID proves that point. Our clients who have large amounts of term life insurance on them or their children or grandchildren, they sleep better. Not because that person could die. That could happen anytime. I have a heart-shaped pillow sitting over here on a little stand in my office, I'm looking at it right now, to remind me about my heart surgery back in 2008, July 10, 2008. That's to remind me that I could die any moment. The person across from me could but also to have a heart big enough to talk about issues that people don't want to talk about. No normal, well-adjusted person wants to talk about dying. Okay, but, we, but if we don't talk about dying and what we want to happen when we die, uh, we, we're going to leave behind a mess, a mess. And we need to have that planned out. So the life insurance will take care of our families now, take care of any debts, taxation that's due when we die, but I want to focus on it from the standpoint of what it does for me today if I wanted to. If I wanted to, I could flip the switch, turn the cash values into additional retirement income, and I can do it in a manner of where most, if not all of it, would be zero tax. Zero. So here's what I've had. Over the years, I had plans in place that should I become totally disabled and not able to work, then the premiums would be waived by the insurance company because I had something called waiver premium on the policies that came off at my age 65. So I had a savings plan that would be self-completing if I couldn't work, builds up cash, didn't pay $1 tax on that money as it grew, and my death benefit grew, and I have policies now that in retirement, if I wanted to, I could stop making payments. I continue to pay the premiums because the cash value is growing by much greater than what I pay in. I have the policies on me, but also family members, ex-wife, daughter, son, grandchildren. So why would I do that? Because it allows me to put money somewhere and avoid the tax, because it's tax favored, and I'm creating something that will benefit people long after I'm dead and gone. Long after I'm dead and gone. And another practical reason is in 2012, our son had a terrible accident, uh, was beat up very badly in, in an accident. And for a long time, he would not, would not have been eligible to violate the charge. So every time that he has what's called an insurability option come up, I exercise that. I do it myself. I own the policy and I do that. Um, so that's what the life insurance fits in. And some people think, well, you know, I don't want to buy life insurance because it's not the best place to put my money. Keep an open mind and look at it as part of the overall plan. You may change your mind. Um, then I, I happen to like annuities. I, I love annuities. I have two non-qualified annuities. I've got one non-qualified, clarified means non-retirement. So it's not tied to a tax deductible like an IRA. Uh, but I have those because I want 
what they do. Okay, forget about the name for a minute. One is a tool that's invested in the S&P 500, and I have protection on the downside. So if the market goes down, which it will, then on the anniversary each year, the company would look at that and say, whoops, you lost money. We're going to make you whole. At the same time, it has what we call a trigger. And if the S&P 500 is flat or positive, then I'm sure at a certain percentage rate, as we're recording this, it happens to be 12 and a quarter. So that's one plan I have. That is, I look at that as being an investment account with protection. I don't have taxes on it, so I'll take the money out. And I have protection on the downside. I do have a cap on the top. And if the market does 30%, I won't get 30% on that one. But that's the that's what I have to do if I want the downside protection. Then I have another annuity that's designed to give me income whenever I want it. I don't know when I'll take it. I may, I may never take it. I may leave the money behind for uh, children and grandchildren. But that's another taxpayer's account in the sense that it's growing tax deferred. And on that one, when I do take income, approximately 80% of the income will not be taxed until I've recovered all my money. Now, that's a function of tax law. Uh, more, more complicated than we have time to go through explaining, but, but it provides a way to have income and the majority of it's not even taxed. And then I have a Roth IRA. I had an IRA. I converted it to a Roth. I finally bit the bullet myself and said, okay, I, I know i got to pay tax on this thing, get it done. The likelihood of me spending the money in that Roth is very slim. So that's another bucket of money, though, that if I want additional income, I have. And you've heard me talk about this in the, the well, almost seven years we've been working together. My view is real simple. Whatever I put my money in, here's what I expect. I think clients are the same way. I want to protect my money. I don't want to lose it. I don't want to pay somebody a fee to lose my money. I want growth on my money. And I want income at some point, or at least the income option. And that's why I look at my plan. And that's why we look at the client. And every client is different. Every client has a different mindset. And it's their money. Even if I don't agree with them on something, I'll say, I don't agree with you. But as long as it's not illegal or unethical and get me fired or get me a fine from the securities regulators, I'll help you do it. But if I know it's hurting you, I refuse to just lost a situation where I could have done some business and could have made a nice commission. I said, no, I don't think it's appropriate. It's destroying something that's already working for you. I refuse to do it. Go back to the other guy who gave you the advice to do that uh, without knowing all of your uh, information. And he said, well, I'm not doing that. So well, I'm not doing it for you. And he allowed me to show him where it, all this fit, and he kept it in place. Um, he made a good decision there. But I think... And also uh, savings, of course. I have my, my savings accounts. Uh, I'm getting paid basically nothing on that at the bank. Uh, and what little bit of interest I do earn, I get the insult of the 1099, have to report that and pay tax on it this year. And then, of course, the, uh, the non-retirement investment accounts. So that is what I've done uh, from the standpoint of saving money over the years. And I have one regret. One, I wish I'd put even more money into life insurance. And I hear that so many times from other clients. Now I hear people say, well, am I too old to get it? You know, maybe I have health issues. Well, that could be. And I will tell you right now that my life insurance policies are the most important investments I have. Even though they're not technically investments, 
Well, because I've used the Cash Vegas to buy automobiles, to, to buy office equipment over the years, uh, use it for down payment and closing costs on a house when the market was down back in 1994. Uh, I feel uh, I'm thinking of a physician who called me one time in a panic. Hey, I, I need money and I got to have it fast. Banks would not want him any money, gives highly leveraged, were able to use his policy as collateral of the bank and they gave him what he needed. And um, I could tell you so many stories about that. I need to write a book on that. You know, I'm working on my second book. I need that, right? I do. That might be a third one to get done. But, but anyway, those are the those are the things that I've done. April. I hope that it helps people understand a little bit. And uh, if you think it's appropriate, sometime in the future, we'll create another webinar and go deeper on that if there's enough interest. Uh, but uh, and by the way, speaking of that, folks, the webinars we're doing are a result of what we're hearing from clients. And then April, she pushes me, hey, let's, let's do another webinar, let's get another one. And, and we got two coming up that we're gonna be talking about the economy, we have a guest speaks with. Uh, and I'm taking credit, those are my ideas on those. Okay. Yeah, you have credit for this. <laughs> but uh, uh, we're a good team here and our, our focus is how do we create value? And I hope that everyone feels that they got value today and um, will take advantage of uh, having a chat with us over the phone or come in if they want to meet face to face, but start with a phone call. And um, anything else you want me to cover? Uh, I, I've covered pretty much what I wanted to cover. That was good, John. I appreciate you covering that. I think it's very important. You know, I think what is what I took away from that the most, right, is having a strategy and having a plan. And we talk about this all the time with clients that it's not the product, right? It's not the widget. It's not the thing that you have. It's how does it all work together? And that's why it's so important to have a strategy and a plan in place and to look at all of these things, to look at taxes, to look at retirement income, to talk about healthcare as well. One quick thought there. I just thought I enjoy playing chess with my grandson. And one day we we're talking about the chess pieces and the, the chess that we had at the property was chips. It was old sets. And it made me just think just now about playing a game of chess. You could have old beat up chess pieces. I could have solid gold pieces. They've got the same game mode. Is the fact that mine are beautiful and pretty and yours are ugly, is that going to make me perform better? No. Not at all. It comes down to strategy who can see the moves ahead so on the game in the game of chess the board has to be set up certain rules to follow it's the same thing with your financial planning there are certain rules and regulations we have to follow because of tax laws things like that but if we understand those and we understand how the board works and the rules of the game it doesn't matter if i have the prettiest pieces i could have the most ugly pieces on the planet Hell, you can break the head off of the off of the uh, knight, and as long as you know that it's the knight position, who cares? It's what you do with the products. And hopefully that came out loud and clear today that it's not about going out and who has the best product. You get products anywhere. It comes down to strategy first. And that's why we tell people, plan first, then go look for products. That's right. If you do the planning correct, then the product becomes very clear. But you got to do the planning yeah. first. Yes. Good. 
Well, um, everyone, we want to say thank you for taking time out of your, your, your schedule to join us today talking about tax diversification and retirement. I know that taxes are not always the funnest topic, but we try to keep it, uh, keep it lively. Um, again, if you're on the call, if you're listening to a replay, we would recommend that we schedule a time for a 25 to 30 minute phone appointment. And you can do that by reaching out to our office. The main line for our office is 850-544-8464. So again, we just want to say thank you for joining us and hope you guys have a great afternoon. Thanks, John. Thank you. It's a pleasure. If you'd like to know more about John Curry services, you can request a complimentary information package by visiting johnhcurry.com slash podcast. Again, that is johnhcurry.com slash podcast. Or you can call his office at 850-562-3000. Again, that is 850-562-3000. John H. Curry, Chartered Life Underwriter, Chartered Financial Consultant, Accredited Estate Planner, Master's in Science and Financial Services, Certified in Long-Term Care, Registered Representative and Financial Advisor of Park Avenue Securities, LLC. Securities products and services and advisory services are offered through Park Avenue Securities, a registered broker-dealer and investment advisor. Park Avenue Securities is a wholly owned subsidiary of Guardian. North Florida Financial Corporation is not an affiliate or subsidiary of Park Avenue Securities. Park Avenue Securities is a member of FINRA and SIPC. This material is intended for general public use. By providing this material, we are not undertaking to provide investment advice for any specific individual or situation or to otherwise act in a fiduciary capacity. Please contact one of our financial professionals for guidance and information specific to your individual situation. All investments contain risk and may lose value. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results. Guardian and subsidiaries, agents, or employees do not provide legal, tax, or accounting advice. Please consult with your attorney, accountant, and or tax advisor for advice concerning your particular circumstances. Not affiliated with the Florida Retirement System, the Living Balance Sheet, and the Living Balance Sheet logo are registered service marks of the Guardian Life Insurance Company of America, New York, New York, copyright 2005 to 2020. This podcast is for informational purposes only. Guest speakers and their firms are not affiliated with or endorsed by Park Avenue Securities or Guardian and opinions stated are their own. Whole life insurance policies contain an important savings element known as the cash value. The cash value depends upon the type of product, the face amount, the time and force, and length and amount of premium payments. Cash value accrued over the years in your life insurance policy will be an asset at your disposal that you may withdraw or borrow from to assist you in financing a life event or even help supplement your income during retirement. The withdrawals you make or any outstanding loans or loan interest you have will then simply be accounted for in the payout of your policy's death benefit. Some whole life policies do not have cash values in the first two years of the policy and don't pay a dividend until the policy's third year. Talk to your financial representative and refer to your individual whole life policy illustration for more information. 2020-108939 expires September 2022.